Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. You're listening to the FT Money Show. Investors Chronicle and FT Money. Hello and welcome to the FT Money Show. In today's program, can you get compensation if a bank loses your personal details? Will a new property exchange get the housing market moving again? And where in the world can you find good news about investing in banks? I'm Matthew Vincent, and I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with the help of my colleagues from FT Money, Charlene Goff Hello. and Alice Ross. Hello. So let's start with the money news. Earlier this week, it emerged that personal data relating to one million customers of NatWest and Royal Bank of Scotland were on computer equipment sold via the eBay auction website for just £35. It's the latest in a series of data security breaches, which has already seen HSBC lose the personal details of 370,000 account holders and HBOS lose information about 60,000 mortgage customers. So bank customers have a right to be worried, but do they have a right to compensation? Charlene, are there grounds for complaints and indeed compensation if a bank loses your personal data? Yes, absolutely, there is. It should never be the fault of the bank customer. The the liability lies with the bank. But, of course, there's a number of other problems that can be incurred when this kind of thing happens. And people really should get compensation for those as well. And that can be slightly trickier. That's the big question, I suppose, isn't it? The banking code might be able to put the money that you've lost back in your account. But, Alice, what about the time that you have to spend if your credit record becomes damaged? Exactly, and this will be a kind of a form of indirect loss, basically, because if someone has been committing fraud, then they will have damaged your credit record, obviously. So you'll find it harder to do things like take out a new mortgage or get a loan. So that might be more difficult to quantify in terms of how much money you've lost, but it would still be indirect loss. And in fact, there's another form of loss that you can also try and get compensation for, which is just distress. So there are these kind of three forms of loss, direct loss, indirect loss, and stress, I suppose. And you can claim compensation for all of these, and people don't seem to realise this. Well, that's a very good point. How can people go about trying to seek redress in you know, all of those three areas? Well, I think the, the first stage should always be go to the bank. If your complaint is not processed by the bank, if you're 
if you don't think they've they've given you enough or they're delaying giving you compensation, you should then take your complaint to the financial ombudsman. But nobody seems to be terribly aware of the fact that this omb- the financial ombudsman scheme is there. I mean, has anyone complained successfully via the ombudsman? There have been very, very few claims made, and this is the problem. People aren't making claims, really. People don't know about it. There's not enough awareness. There's actually no precedent for how much can be claimed. We don't really know how much money people could get, or it might not even be money. It might be other forms of compensation. So people need to just be more aware of this and start you know, considering whether they have a claim. Well, that's a good point, though. I suppose it's, it's not just financial compensation. I mean, is there anything else that the banks can do to put their customers in a better position if they've suffered data loss? I think there's a lot they could do. Uh, Whether they do do it or not is uh, another question. I think we have seen a a couple of banks offer things like free credit checks and so on just to uh, put their customers' minds at ease that they haven't had their identity stolen. And more banks should probably do that and it's worth asking whether they would be willing to. If they're not, then it's definitely worth logging on and checking your own credit reference yourself. Well, yes, you're right. You're right. This data loss couldn't happen at a worse time, uh, really, with um, mortgages so hard uh, to come by. Well, thanks, uh, Charlene and Alison. If you'd like to know more about data security and your rights, um, you can read Joe Cumbo's article in FT Money in this weekend's FT or go online at ft.com forward slash money. You can also send in your questions for us to answer by emailing us at ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. Still to come, the good news and bad news about investing in foreign banks. But first, property chains. A few weeks ago, the Royal Institution of Chartered Surveyors' monthly survey reported falling numbers of completed house sales and a further drop in new buyer numbers. But some wealthy sellers have been trying to get property chains moving again by simply purchasing the property at the bottom of their chain. And now Hamptons, the estate agent, is getting in on the act by improving the chances of part exchanges within property chains. So earlier this week, Charlene asked Mark Anderson of Hamptons how the scheme will work. It's called the Hamptons Exchange, and the idea really is to bring more buyers and sellers' requirements together much earlier in the process than might normally be the way. So it will allow vendors and purchasers to identify opportunities for part exchange, for instance, where you know, they might have a requirement for a house um, which one of our vendors is already selling. And if we allow them to see that uh, and see that that vendor would consider a part exchange, then obviously that's going to start to get the market moving in a way that up to now it's been difficult to do. What you're saying is you're trying to get greater communication between buyers and sellers and almost manufacture building of the chain yourselves. That's exactly right. If one agent is handling more of the transactions in the chain, then there's a far greater chance of that chain being kept together simply through better communication and having a better understanding of what all the people in the chain actually want. So what we've decided to do is develop an exchange, if you like, a Hamptons exchange, where we can bring together vendors, irrespective of through whom they're selling their house presently, we can actually bring those people together in a way that allows us to communicate with them. And how do you actually propose to bring people together? How will the exchange actually work? Well, initially it's going to be web-based. So um, on, on our website, people will be able to register to become part of this exchange. And um, that will simply provide us the opportunity of talking to them, getting a very good understanding of what it is they're trying to achieve, at what price. Once they've done that, they'll be featured on the website in such a way that 
other parties can come in and search by, that, by those criteria. So you're registering what you're selling, but you're also registering what you'd like to buy. Exactly. And uh, we're going to do that on, on the main part of our website as well, so that where we list properties for sale, where a vendor will allow us, um, we're also going to list what it is they're looking for. For instance, we've, we've got uh, examples already of where we have part-exchanged houses because somebody selling at close on 3 million, for instance, um, has wanted to release the mortgage. We did one in the West Sussex area quite recently where the exchange took place between somebody selling at 440 and somebody selling at 250. So th- there is an opportunity to do it at almost any, any part of the market. The trick is you've got to encourage people to let you know what they're looking for and uh, you know, you've got to be prepared to exchange that information in a way that allows people to come and search. Charlene, you were talking to um, Mark Anderson uh, of Hamptons there. This sort of greater communication between you know, the people in a property chain, um, I mean, could that result in all of them you know, agreeing to drop their price a bit just to, just to get things moving again? Well, that's another advantage, I think. Hamptons would know the details of everyone in the chain so they could see where the problems were arising. And if there was a property at the bottom or even halfway up the chain who lost their buyer or their buyer was demanding a 5 or 10% discount, they could go, well, hang on a minute, maybe we can take that discount further up the chain and see whether other people would be willing to offer the same kind of discount and just get things moving. Because at the moment, you know, people would probably rather take a 5 even a 10% hit than have to lose their buyer and start marketing their property all over again. But, Alice, of course, this isn't the only thing that's um, causing problems in the property market. The availability of mortgages in the last 12 months has reduced so enormously. Um, That's got to be a factor as well, hasn't it? Of course, yeah, of course. And we've seen particularly, I think, with interest-only mortgages, people are finding it very difficult to get hold of those at the moment as well. I think Charlene's been looking at that as well. Yeah, I mean, these have always been an area where lenders have been a little tougher on, but it looks like they've really toughened up and they're increasingly concerned that people taking out interest-only mortgages are doing so for the wrong reasons, basically, because they can't afford to repay. And they're not actually saving and building up repayments in, in other places. So, you know, they're taking out these mortgages with really no idea how they're eventually repay them, which is obviously a big risk for the lender. So, so what, what, what are lenders doing now? They're obviously um, being far more stringent in, in their checks and making sure that people do have the ability to repay? Yeah, they're asking a lot more questions about how you expect to repay. Some are asking for actual evidence of savings accounts. They want to see that you're putting aside two or £300 a month and building up uh, enough money to make overpayments every couple of years or at the end of the mortgage term. Some have actually taken even more drastic action and have reduced the amount they'll lend to borrowers who want interest-only mortgages. So I think Woolwich last week said they'd only lend 70%, 75% of the property value if someone was taking out an interest-only mortgage, whereas otherwise they'd lend sort of 85 or 90 So if you're remortgaging in the next few months from an interest-only mortgage but you haven't been building up savings, what can you do? Well, I think you've probably got to start putting some money aside now. I mean, the thing is, some lenders ask for proof that you've opened an account or you've opened an ISA or you've got savings elsewhere. 
But if you open an account and pay into it for a few months, they're not going to keep checking that you're paying it into, into it every month. So you've got to have the initial proof that you're willing to save and trying to save, but they might not follow up on that too closely. Well, it sounds like a return to old-fashioned values from the 1990s because I had to prove that I had a personal equity plan. That, sh- that shows how long ago that was uh, to get a mortgage. But if you'd like to know more about um, interest-only mortgages and also the property exchange uh, scheme, look out for um, Charlene's two articles in this weekend's FT. And finally today, we have some good news and bad news about investing in foreign banks. Uh, Alice, investing in US and UK banks has been bad news for more than a year now. So where can investors find good news about the financial sector? Well, perhaps surprisingly, they can find good news at the moment in Latin America. The Latin American index has been really outperforming most of the rest of the world in the year to date. Um, And it's driven by commodities. A lot of commodities come out of Latin America, actually. I think it's something like 46% of the index in Latin America is energy and materials. So they have actually taken a hit in the past couple of months as commodities have been sold off. But that is not the only story with Latin America. The financial situation is actually very strong at the moment. They've been completely unaffected by the credit crunch internally. And why is that? Um, Is it because of the lending practices of their institutions? Yes. I mean, it's partly because the mortgage market is in its very early stages. As someone said to me, the reason they haven't been affected by subprime is because there's been virtually no prime lending. It's only 2% of GDP in Brazil, I think, the mortgage lending market, which is which is tiny by comparison with Western markets. So they just haven't had those problems. And as a result, the sectors that are being tipped by managers at the moment in Latin America are financials and house building, exactly the opposite of the UK. It sounds like the opportunity is there because the, you know, the, the, the lending market just isn't as developed as it is elsewhere. Yes, exactly. The lending market just isn't as developed. I mean, they're, they're coming out of a difficult period in the 90s when inflation was obviously extremely high um, and people still to a certain extent associate the region, I think, with debt and high inflation, but that's really not the case anymore. They've really sorted themselves out. The commodities story, in fact, has helped them to sort out the domestic economies because they've had so much money from commodities coming in. They've funneled that into the domestic economies and they've been able to you know, prepare things well for growth in the next few years. Do you think the, the fact that the credit crunch has happened now it may not have affected these markets to date, but do you think it will affect their ability to grow and develop, especially the lending market in the future years? People don't see signs of that, I have to say. Um, because their banks throughout Latin America are historically very well capitalised. They don't borrow. Um, So they've just got a completely different system. They're they're much stricter than we are when people want to take out a loan. So they have much stricter rules about that. And it's just a kind of a different way of doing business. People don't like to be in debt there. It sounds rather attractive compared with the financial sectors uh, elsewhere in the world. And you mentioned fund managers now sort of looking to, to get in. Um, who is investing there and well, how can we as private investors get in on the act? Mm. There are a few fund houses that would be quite well known in the area. Uh, F&C is one, BlackRock is another. In fact, BlackRock has the only investment trust to specialise in Latin America, which is quite surprising. There's only one investment trust specialising in Latin America and yet it's returned 17% over the year to date, which is one of the highest investment trusts out of all of the ones in the UK regardless of where they're investing. So I'm surprised that more aren't getting in on the act. Maybe they'll start to. Um, Now, you could obviously buy exposure to an index, which would be cheaper, 
But the interesting thing about that is that the index, the Latin American index, as I said, has 46% in commodities. But apparently that's not reflected in the general economy. So the index is almost weighted too much in commodities. So if you just buy exposure to the index at the moment, with commodity prices maybe going to fall further, that might not be as good an idea as buying into a fund where the fund manager can shift the focus away from the index a little bit, focus more on things like financials and house builders, and possibly make more money for you that way. So if you'd like to know more about those fund managers and the opportunities, um, do look out for Alice's article in FT Money this weekend. And that's all we've got time for in this week's FT Money show. Remember that you can email your views and your questions to ask.ftyourmoney at ft.com. And we'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Charlene and Alice. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.